Visit Arcade Club in Bury, Greater Manchester, the largest gaming venue in Europe. Set on two floors featuring over 250 original arcade machines, from Space Invaders right up to the latest Japanese rhythm games. There's also pinball machines, retro modern consoles, top-end PCs and VR stations. For just £10 entry or £15 for both floors, you can stay as long as you like and everything is set to free play. It's open Thursdays to Sundays with free parking, two licensed bars, two kitchens and fair price and there's no need to book, just turn up for an awesome day out. Hello and welcome to the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. My name is Victor Marland, aka Vertvic, and my friend in the north is... Sean Holly, aka Sean Holly, in your face. Right, Vic. You've just got a Sean Holly name, haven't you? Yeah, I use that name a lot, you know. It's quite handy when it is actually your name, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, eat, lad. Not bad. Um, a little bit miffed with things. Go on. Stress. Work stress. Oh, I've Stuff had no like work that. stress. Oh, work stress. Yeah, work can do one. That's what it can do. <laughs> I have also been getting grief on UK VAC about something which is quite funny in a way. Mm-hmm. I put on a little advert a while back for free stuff. I was giving away that tube that I tried to use for you, the Polo Star tube, the Hantrax one. Yeah. The tube is okay, but I think the yoke, which goes around the neck of the tube, is not working properly. That's why it wouldn't work. But the tube, yeah. if you've got another neck board, for, uh, another yoke for it, I think it'd be okay, because the tube's good. It's not, not going to burn on it or anything. It's a tri-sync tube and everything. I'm trying to give it away, and I said, look, I've got a week before I've got to take this to the tip. Anyone wants it, they have to pick it up, obviously, for free. And someone from Denmark, I can't remember the name of the user on there, said, oh, you got you can't throw these things away if you can't get what you want for them within a week. And I said, yes, I can. It's mine. I can do anything I want with it, mate. <laughs> and um, and I said, I called him the Danish tube police then. Yeah. Which he's, he's sort of, well, he's not got a point, really, because... I also told him that uh, about a year ago, I tried to give it away then, and someone said, oh, I'll have it. I'll try and send Martin round for it. But they never did. I must have just forgotten or whatever, and Martin didn't come and get it. And it's taken up a lot of room. You can you imagine how big a 29-inch screen is. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. So I took it to the tip this morning. Hey, right. hey, Danish tube, please. Sue me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's no good anymore. I mean, there's tons of them about. I mean, I went to this meet yesterday and i saw loads of them there in, in machines and just spare so it's not much of a bother there is still crts out in the wild whatever people say there really is they're not all dried up yet i don't think it'll mm. be for a long time either because there's millions of them made mm, yeah i've also been messing around with sdl mame on my mac it actually works quite nicely with the track mode now but it's quite a bit different from normal sort of windows kind of mame even with even the front end or whatever I've been sort of messing around with it. I need to download a new set of ROMs. You gave me a place to get them from. I need a new set, I think, because certain ROMs weren't working at all. Yeah, archive.org. Yes, that's the fella. That's the one I look for. So I'll have a look at that anyway. And yeah, I've just been sort of... I've played some different games on there. I haven't been played for a while. And yes, it's quite good. I quite like it now. quite enjoy it on there. But but I think what I'm going to do is next to my 27-inch silly massive mac thing i've got here i'm going to set up another screen next to it which was my old screen and run parallels on it. it's a piece of software you can get for mac that can actually run windows 
Yeah. And it runs it really well. It emulates it brilliantly. And I could probably just use the main stuff on there because it is a bit easier for me to use. I, I know it much better. And Macs really aren't machines for gaming. You know, they're mm. for production most of the time. And I, I do like using it. But for stuff like games, it's not really for that. And my arcade is for games. Yeah. So that's what I use it for. Uh, what else have you been up to yourself? Well, I've had a week off work, so I've been up to tons. I've I've been to two gaming events. I've gone to see my mother. And uh, yeah, I've been watching the football. I've got Excuse sort me? of carried, I've got sort of carried away in all the sort of positive vibes of the football. It was nice, really. No, we need we need some positivity in this downtrodden land, Victor Marland. Do you know what Everything, I think? Everything's going down the toilet, but not the football. It was, it was quite nice. I think football is an absolute disgrace. I hate it. I can't stand how this country gets behind eleven millionaires. Mm. Why, why do we care about what these guys do? It's a game. It's a children's game. I played it at school. And when I left school, I didn't bother with it anymore. I thought that, but it's more than a game now. No. <laughs> right, it's let's an... stop this conversation right now. It's not yeah. more than a game. It's 11 blokes, 22 blokes on a field kicking a ball around into a net. That's what you know, it is. That's exactly you... what it is. You know when you see someone playing a game well, even if you don't like the game, it's entertaining to play, like Charlie Farr playing Donkey Kong. No, that's that's depressing. No. You see him play that, and it's just brilliant to watch. Well, this this some of these games have been like that, you know? No, they haven't. And as we speak, I think France have just won the World Cup final. Spoiler alert, everyone. Yep. You know, the the worst thing about it was when our country, England, won against Sweden, loads of idiots went into an Ikea in the UK, which is a Swedish company, and started smashing the place up because they won. What is that about? I think I dislike the idiot fans more than the game. But it just, it's everywhere. When I went to see The Cure last Saturday at Hyde Park... People were moaning on Twitter that they couldn't watch the football at the gig. When you've paid to go and see a load of bands, they wanted to see football. What I say to those people is, don't go. Stay at home and watch football then. Because people going to see a band don't want to see football. Because when, in the UK, when you go and eat somewhere, there's football on. I mean, especially if it's the World Cup, which is obviously a big event. If you go somewhere, we went into one place to eat, and they said... Oh, we haven't got a pl- we haven't got a, a, a space in the front room where the football's on, and we said no, we don't want one. We want somewhere where it isn't on. They went, oh yeah, we've got loads on the back then, and they put us on the back. <laughs> right. But it just it really bothers me how it's so big. Mm. And when people mention us, we, we did this in the world, we did this and we did that. I think no, you didn't. You're not part of it. You're a fan, yes, but you're not part of the team. You're really not. It's just nonsense to me. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not ever going to forgive you for that. What else have you been up to? <laughs> Moving on then. I've been to the Bat Key Retro Gaming Night. It's a gaming now, night. Now in the you're Bat talking. Key. It's Bat Key Retro Gaming Night. Get... Yeah, I'm, I might be a bit doolally because I've had about eight hours sleep in two days. Nice. Because so, I've been up to Nurgle. We'll talk about it in a minute. After four years, Lewis is handing over control of the event, the Bat Cave event, to a select few of us regulars, me included. Oh, Lewis... no. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh. It's gonna get wackier. 
It's going to get shoot up heaven. Lewis supplied less machines this time as part of the handover, and the rest of us bulked up the games list and and organised the setup and tear down of the event. Lewis helped, and it was me and Aaron from Show Me Games that did most of the setup and teardown. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like shifting arcade machines around, but it does take a lot of sorting out. You know, oh yeah, the definitely all the TVs and the wires and power supplies and the consoles and cartridges and games and stuff. We had an old Atari, an old Atari twenty six hundred, and we had to tune it in. No one could remember how to tune it in. Oh, but- is it still working on RF? RF, yeah. Oh, the one go- I've got here is um, it's been modded to work on AV, you know, composite. Mm. Oh yeah, you forget about RF, don't you? Yeah. Ooh, painful working in RF. Not good. And the, and the Dreamcast was RF as well, but we found a, an AV lead for that. Oh, thank goodness, that would look dreadful on R- on RF. I, I didn't even think Dreamcast was on RF, but you can get SCART for it, can't you? Yeah. And VGA boxes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a really good um, evening. So what was the theme to that one, then? It was Mortal Kombat. Oh, bum, 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 bum. oh no. I was, knocked, I was knocked out in the first round. I was playing against Aaron, and you sit down in front of this big, big, massive projected screen, two Saturn controllers, and I kept nudging his controller with my elbow. Yeah. <laughs> was that on purpose? Me. Yeah, and he still beat me. Yeah. I've never liked Mortal Kombat. I was always a Street Fighter person. I did have it on the SNES back in the day when it was released, and I didn't really... I don't like the way the characters are rendered. You know, they're sort of like proper video graphics. Mm. And I just don't like the way they move. It just seems really jerky. Whereas stuff like Street Fighter was always more cartoony, obviously. But it just seemed more fluid. And the animation is a lot better. It's impressive at the time, I think. Especially when you saw the first one. And there's more going to be talked about the Batcave in the future. And also on the pickup section, I believe. Yes. Right, another one uh, I've been doing lately. I was listening to uh, a favourite podcast of mine, The Broken Token, with Brent and Whitney. Mm -hmm. Brent was mentioning, they were talking, both of them talking about cutting away some of his collection of arcade machines, because he has got, I think both of them got quite a lot of machines between them. You know, working in their actual games room, and also ones in in their sort of outbuildings and sheds that aren't working. They were talking about getting all these chosen games, the ones he really wants to keep in one place, and making room and the time to actually play them and appreciate the space they're in. And I'm in the same mindset. Uh, my Naomi's going very soon to a mutual friend of ours, who have sold that already, along with the OK Baby, which is going to be for you, obviously mm. when the monitor's repaired and everything. And when I've done that, I'll have a bit of room in there. I can actually get my Atari Cabaret scratch build, which I've started over a year ago now. It's nearly yeah. there. It's got a monitor in it. Uh, I've got a control panel made up for it. You need to put an overlay on it and just put the electrics in it and, and varnish the outsides, put some T-molding on, and it's a finished machine. And I've, got, I've got everything for it. I just haven't had time to get on and do it. And I want to put probably Star Force in there. And I've sent yeah. the PCB off to get fixed as well. So that'll be back soon, hopefully in a few weeks or whatever. So, yeah, that's one of the things I do want to have in there. I think it looked lovely next to the centipede. I've got to try and work mm. out what artwork I want for it because I have to get that made up. I expect, but it's just something simple, you know, some some sort of spacey thing with some stripy bits on it, wherever for the control panel and some nice graphics around the the marquee, and that's all I need really, and the marquee above it. But yeah, it's not going to take much to do that, and that's a machine I really want to keep because I only want to play Star Force. I like playing Star Force quite a lot. Just these simple yeah. machines with a joystick and one button. We're talking time pilot kind of thing. I did toy with doing it themed as a time pilot, 
Yeah. And, and maybe even put two two buttons on there so you can play stuff like Terracrester. Yeah, it's always going to be a vertical shooter machine, I expect. Oh, that sounds good. What about a biscuit theme? For biscuit themes. Yeah, you can have custard creams, like a yellowy cab with like like the, the fondant, uh, a fondant tea moulding that you could nibble on. Yeah, but I'd be stuck, it'd be in bits, wouldn't it? Well, you could just keep reapplying the and tea And every time the dog went in, the bottom bits would be eating, we'd be nibbling at it. So that's yeah, not you... wise. I, I am going to theme my ISIS cabs. I've got ideas for all of them, and obviously done the the Cuba one already. The next mm. one I'm going to do is probably Bosconian. I'm putting Bosconian in one of them. Oh, very nice. I've already got Nintendo games in one, which will be like a Donkey Kong kind of theme, and the Berserk mm. one that'll be themed to Berserk. And the other mm. one, another one's got the Scramble hardware in, but I'm not, that's going to be a multi machine because it plays different games on there. And then there'll be the last one, which is the Bosconian. I'm not sure if I've got enough machines for what I want to do, but I will have in the future. I will get in some more, I expect, when they come up. But yeah, they're the ones I want to keep. And I also want to start on the restoration of my never-worked-on-since-I've-had-it Battlezone. I've had it mm. nearly two years, I think, now, and I've never touched it. I sent off the PCB to someone to fix, because that's the main sort of stumbling block, really, because once you've got the PCB working, you can then test the monitor, test the controls... And all other stuff, and get it going, and you know, get all the bits working on it. But I haven't had that fixed, and, and the guy hasn't had time to do it because he's been very, very busy, which is fair enough. Um, I'll have to sort of get someone to sort it out for me. I've got an idea of who can do it, and can probably do the whole lot of those, the the electrical side of it for me. So I might just mm. do that because I'm a little bit worried about Battlezone because Alex had a Battlezone the same as mine, and he had it fixed up, and it was all perfectly working, hundred percent, and he got bored of it very quickly. And I'm not sure yeah. if I because I like Asteroids. My Asteroids cabaret gets quite a lot of play. And it's mm. a very popular game. And I can play Asteroids Deluxe in it. So that helps. You can play two different games. But with Battlezone, that's the only game you're going to play on it. And I actually was getting quite bored. Because I think he got quite good at it. And once you get good at it, you can just play it and play it for quite a while. And I think he's got bored of it. So I'm a bit worried yeah, I'm going to get bored of it. But if I ever get bored of it, I'll sell it in five minutes. Because it's a very popular machine. Especially when it's working perfectly as well. And yeah... There is a new there is a new game I want to get, but we'll talk about it a little bit later on. I want to talk about um, what else we've been doing. And I also really, really want to get a Taito Trimline Space Invaders to go next to my Phoenix, the same shape cab. And I may need to make one of these if need be, because they're quite difficult to get hold of. Yes, Benson Rad, I'm giving you the side eye here. You suck! Because mm. he's got one and he won't sell it to me. <laughs> yeah, but a nice... A Space Invaders with a nice braze kit which plays the different games like Lunar Rescue. Yeah. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? And it saves all the scores. I mean, you've got Space Invaders 1 and 2 and some very slightly different versions of Invaders and the mighty Lunar Rescue. So that'd be a load of games. You would never get bored of just Space Invaders, I reckon. Mm. I wouldn't get bored of Space Invaders. I love playing Space Invaders. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, but at the moment it's a bit depressing going in the garage and not being able to get to stuff and play and bits need doing. I'm sort of I've cleared it quite a bit now. I've been clearing it quite quite well. I've got bits out of the way, and when you come to see me uh, next month, sometime hopefully, there'll yeah. be a few more bits going. So that'd be quite good. Also, I also want to get a possibly another ISIS. I know it's another machine again, but this is only sort of in my mind at the moment, and make it into a, a true main machine. And have that as my mm. main, my only one main machine. And I was talking to someone the other day, um, not a servo stick which switches from four to eight way, but there's a stick called an ultra stick. Made by Ultimark. 
Yeah. And it works as an optical, and you can program it to work as different kind of sticks. So it's optical, 49-way, 4-way, 8-way, just diagonals. And you can program it to each game to play how you want. So if you want to play Sinistar, which has got a weird 49-way joystick, or if yeah. you want to play Food Fight, which has got an analog joystick, mm. you can play it properly. You can program each main game, and it as you click on the game you want to play or you choose the game you want to play, it applies those settings to the Ultra Stick. So the Ultra Stick will then work in true 49 way or just as analog so the the slower you, you the less you push it in one direction the less it works rather than just digital which is there or not mm-hmm. so i think that's the way to go but then you've got the screen needs rotating and i was thinking of a way and i've seen it done with a few i've never seen one in the flesh but i've seen it on youtube where people have actually mounted the monitor on a round board that you can't see inside the machine and mm. when you you choose a game that is vertical or horizontal it actually gets going a motor. It triggers a motor, like a stepper motor, which will turn 90 degrees. And obviously it turns back again when you want to play the other way. So everything would be automatic. And because if you use smoked screens inside, you wouldn't ever see it moving. It's just that when the game come on, it'd be in the right orientation. Oh, that's clever. That is the, the best. That's surely the best way to play as many games as possible on one machine without having to take the control panel off, take the back off, moving the joy- moving the joysticks, moving the m- monitors around. And that's got to be the best way. I'd like to do that to maybe an ISIS cab. It needs some major work inside to do it, but I reckon I could do it because I'm not too bad with tools and woodwork and stuff. Mm. Jim, Jim Bowley's done it with an LCD display on that Williams Defenders play and meet. He had the cab there playing like a reverse defender. But the, oh. the round, the round rotate device was on the outside and you just physically moved it with your hand yeah just like just like turning a steering wheel yeah i i I did toy with making one that goes in the cab and cutting little slots out the side of the cab so you can actually get hold of the side of the cab just with a little say a centimeter sticking of of the wheel sticking out and just sort of Mm. turn it with your hand it's a bit naff doing that but I, i do know people who've done it with stepper motors and i don't think it's that difficult to have the computer inside it trigger the motors to to step round. I think they step at so many degrees at a time to step round ninety degrees and then minus ninety degrees back and do it all automatically. So I know Mame has got output features where you can output to various devices that will do different things. Like um, it's not an Opti pack, but it can control LEDs and motors and all sorts of bits and bobs. It wouldn't take much to do, I don't think, and that would be ideal for the ultimate main machine which plays all the games as closely as possible the right orientation the right kind of joysticks right number of buttons etc because you don't really need three buttons i mean we don't play much more than three buttons do we no oh god no so we wouldn't bother with it mm. yes uh so i talked to someone at, at the meet which we'll get on to next actually um i talked to a guy called gadget freak his real name is aaron really clever guy and we were talking about the Ultra Stick, and he swears by it. And he's actually got PCB stacked up with like a connector next to him. So when he wants to play a different game, he just swaps the connector over. It swaps everything over, and the Ultra Stick does its business because it seems to know somehow what it needs to do. So the Ultra mm. Stick, it's got he's got LEDs underneath a, a control panel that you can sort of half see through. So when it's got four LEDs, it means it's set in four way. When it's got eight LEDs, it's set in eight ways. So when you look at it, you know it's set in the right direction. And if it's got, I think, a ring around it, it's set to 49 way. But he's 
another kind of level of clever. Yeah. So he's he's really good at what he's done. Um, but that is for proper PCBs, not just emulation. So he's actually done it all sort of in hardware as well as, you know, the parts to do it, which is really clever. That gets me on to Steve Bonehead's meeting. I went to a meeting in Bedfordshire yesterday. It's actually a place called Sandy. Um, Bedfordshire. Bedfordshire. I had a bit of a bear getting there because uh, all the stuff I had, I had loads of stuff to take for people, PCBs, um, Vectrex controllers to look at. I had one for someone there as well. And I had to find it all. It was red hot at home. It was really, really hot. And then someone in the group message where everyone was going was saying, oh, there's problems on the roads and this is closed. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. I think it was going to take an hour or so to get there. And by that time, it was so hot and bothered. I really didn't want to go. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. I was just going to, oh, I'm going to get on time, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, I'm glad I went because it was really, really good fun. It really was. Yeah. And I actually managed to find the place, which is normally no mean feat. It's sort of hidden away. And his address is is number 100. And for some reason, when you put that in a sat-nav, it doesn't know where it is. I remember that. I remember trying to find it. It's hard yeah. to find, isn't it? But luckily, someone posted a picture of the, what the gates looked like. And I went past them, so I went, Erp! reverse. <laughs> there we are. Brilliant. And it had his name of the business that is, is there on, on the gate. So luckily, I found it quite quickly, which was quite good, especially the mood I was in at the time. But um, I had a great time there, actually. I played a lot of Food Fight. Mm, yeah. On the group message, Roger Cantor, our mate Rog, was going on about Food Fight. And I went, meh, it's just a meh, meh game. And I had to apologise to Rog because it's absolutely brilliant. Because the owner of the Food Fight table machine was there, which not many were made. It's a really, really nice machine to play at. Because the controls are actually upright in front of you where you can play them properly rather than sort of against the machine like an old Space Invaders. Yeah. And it's got the proper, obviously, the proper analogue joystick and stuff. And... Backflipper Steve, he actually sh- played it with me and showed me how to play it properly. Where you know c- certain chefs are hiding and doing different things, and if you use different food, it reacts differently when you throw it. And there's a little bonus level with the melons and stuff. And I didn't know any about this. I thought it was just you know go and get the ice cream and chuck stuff at the, at the chefs as you go along. But there's quite a lot of tactics in the game. And his high score on the machine was like a quarter of a million, and I was up to 147 thousand by the time I finished. So I was actually progressing right. quite quickly. And we're playing a lot of two-player games. We're actually playing cocktail mode two-player. So I'd have a go, and then the person across from me would turn around and there have a go. And it was such a lot of fun. And that game has got the wackiest music. When it goes, there's a little mode in it. Where you, where you play a game, um, the, hard, the hardware is actually recording what you play. Yeah. And if you have a really close game, apparently that's it's how it triggers it. If you have a really close game where you're really close to getting hit by the chefs and you're knocking stuff out and you're running around them and sort of evading them, the PCB decides to play an action replay of what you've just played and it plays the level again. It gives you a little minute to sort of relax and it plays the wackiest music I've ever heard in an arcade game. I was doing a little silly dances to it every time it came on because it only comes on every now and again. And it's a lot of fun, really silly game. I really like it. I was dancing uncontrollably like an idiot. Oh dear. I even had to go on Defender. And I'm terrible at Defender. I don't know why I played it, but it was nice to play on a real machine. Yeah. One good thing as well is uh, Alex's rescue machine. I sold in the, the Electrocoin MIDI with my rescue in it. That yeah. was being stored at Steve's. And... 
he had it on. He was playing it, and he, he put a score on there like thirty three thousand. He said, "Oh, you, you need to go and beat my score." If you go, well, okay then. And I beat it with my first life. Nice, which was good because I got onto a level on that. Like, I don't think I've got onto before. I think my best on that particular board was seventy three thousand, which is quite a good score. And I don't know what level I got to, but I got to level I think eight on this one. And you start off with four helicopters. I'd never seen four on screen before. Right. I thought three was the maximum. When there's three on there, it's really, really busy. But it starts with four. And when you knock the, those ones out, you only get three come back for the rest of the level. It's only four to, to very begin with. But it's quite manic when there's four helicopters on screen after you. Because they're quite quick about that. And they're really, really accurate. Mm. Uh, it's nice to see Andy Wellburn there. Uh, P-Man. Who's really well known in the arcade circles. Who's back over at the moment visiting from the States. Because he moved to Oakland. Yeah, he actually lives over there, but he actually, for some reason, it was just luck that the meet was on when he was over, and he was there. Uh, and it was nice to catch up a lot of familiar faces. And also, Whitney was there because he's been over from America as well. He was over in France with business, with his work, with a customer, and he had a few days off. He took the Eurostar over. Alex picked him up at the station, and he's been staying here as well. So he he managed to to go up there for the meet, and the night before on the Friday. He came out for a drink and a, and a curry with me, Alex, which was nice. Oh, that's nice. It's been a good weekend for that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and also, at the meet, Harry Bolt, ace jazz musician, bought his keyboard with him. We made him. We we told him to bring a keyboard, which is a, a really professional piece of kit he's got, obviously, because he's a, he's a pro at it. And he mm. played keyboard for us, which was really nice, live. Oh. Then we have to pay is for it- that sort of thing. Does it have like drum accompaniment? Like it has. I think it's got all that sort of stuff if you use. But he didn't. He was just playing. It's more yeah. more of a sort of electronic piano, more than a you know. A sort of, it's not a Casio. It's a big old thing. Mm. It's a professional. I don't know how many keyboard keys a professional keyboard's got, but it's got that many. It seems a bit longer than normal electronic keyboard, if you know what I mean. Mm. And Ian Ski, who's into all the um, all the synthesizers, he played a bit on as well. And he's quite a good player. I didn't know that. Yeah, he does game music, doesn't he, Inski? Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. He did. He told me he did the music for RuneScape. Oh, really? One of the, one of the versions of RuneScape, which is a massive, massive selling... What is it? It's like an RPG kind of thing. Isn't it? My oh. lad used to play it. Nice one. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah old school RuneScape, I think he did. Hmm. Right. Tell me about it, NERG, because anyway, NERG's last, been going, I couldn't get to that. In the last two hours I've come back from NERG, so I'm a bit frazzled. But it was brilliant, it was fantastic. It's the same setup as normal, you know, you go into the big sports hall, yeah. you've got loads of consoles, computers, there's a different supplier with a console, so there's some different ones this time. It's mm-hmm. good. J- James's 80 or 90 arcade machines. How many? 80 or 90. Wow. And we were we were just playing. We started playing Turbo, you know the the old racing Se- game, Sega sort of three D ish racer, and it's got it's got LED scores on the on the left. I don't know why it's got that because it's got a high score table, but it has. Mm. And we were just getting right into it. There were me, Neil twenty to five, Troll Nads, and Mark Happy Dude, and we were just getting. It was a game of the show for us. We were just playing it on rotation all day yesterday <laughs> it's nice when you go to a show and there's one particular game that sticks out and, it, and to me at steve's it was food fight and everyone else is after food fight but i didn't realize how rare food fight is to get 
Uh, mm-hmm. Whitney was saying, even in the US, uh, a half decent food fight upright, which is the more common one, two and a half thousand dollars. God. So the table one must be worth a fortune. Because I think I think Steve was only was saying that there was only a hundred made. So it's super yeah. rare finding a table of it, and the table was really nice. Loved it. Mm. So, but the one of the things this thing I've been on about. Oh yeah, we had two two good nights out around Newcastle, which is a lovely place. Out on a tomb pet. Phil from Maximum Power Up and Super Stew lives lives nearby. Each night took us around some really nice, charismatic old pubs. You know, mm. not 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 your bog standard sort of bland pubs. These really full of character. Like one of them, right, had a bookcase, a secret bookcase in the wall that you went oh, through, yeah. like like Hogwarts, and there was another room. Oh. There was another, another bar, but it was a private party in there, so we couldn't go in. And it had like stuffed animals on the wall and really bizarre stuff. Weird. But, yeah, that really nice old pub. We had a really great time, real good conversation. And one of the main reasons I went up on Friday, the day early, is Drunk Gary. Ah, tell me about Drunk Gary. I still haven't played Drunk Gary. I Drunk- knew about Drunk Gary for a while, and I haven't managed to play it yet, because you sent it to me, and I didn't know how to make it work. I need to know how to do that. You need to show me afterwards how to do that. Tell everyone right. about Drunk Gary. Right, kids, you ready? Right, on last year's NERG, NERG 2017, one of the helpers, Gary, got drunk in a pub. Mm-hmm. He accidentally stole an etched glass, one of these nice etched glasses, like a motor. He had motorhead on it. Right. So the landlord chased him across the Tyne Bridge. Right. <laughs> with his glass. And then he couldn't get into his hotel room. So, so he had to sort of get in the get in the back way and sort of get past the back landlady. Something like that. It's that kind of story, which I may have embellished a little bit. But so Big Phil said, you know anyone that can program me a game like this? And I right. said, oh, I, can, I can do it with the game maker. So I've done it right over over the year. Yeah. It's, it's took a long time to, to get it all going. The first level's Pac-Man. You're going around a pub, which is actually the Pac-Man maze. Yeah. You collect enough dots, which are coins, and then a pint appears. You buy the pint behind the bar, and then there's a cutscene. And then the second level is Frogger, where you're going across the time bridge. <laughs> With a man, there's a man chasing you. But there's there's like little characters. I've nicked the characters from all the different games right. because I realised I can't draw eight bit. The only eight bit I've done is Gary himself. Yeah. And everything else I've nicked from Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Frogger. That's how it should be. Yeah. So he gets across the time bridge, he collects all the coins on that level and a taxi appears so he can afford the taxi home. <laughs> you get in the taxi, it washes off screen, and the third level is the Donkey Kong, where you've got to climb up the, collect enough coins, it's all coin-based, yeah. to pay the landlady to go to bed, and then the bed appears at the top of the screen. Yeah. The landlady's actually Pauline from Donkey Kong, who I've coloured different. Yeah. <laughs> and the only weird bit is she's throwing barrels at you. I just thought, barrels? Yeah, why not? Know. Yeah, why not? So, yeah, you get up, and then you, you, it starts all over again. So it, it was in a cab, and it was, like, introduced to his, like, jaw dropped. You're like, what? what's that? There's, like, side art with him on it. <laughs> and a marquee that, that this guy called Graham's done, who works with Phil. Yeah. So there's a marquee, side art, and the game. And it was actually running on a Raspberry Pi, actually. Oh, nice. You need to get some pictures of that on the show notes for us. Yeah, I've got plenty of pictures on my phone, so I'll put some up, yeah. Excelente. He, he loved he loved it yeah cool so nerg itself was just awesome again i i love the the event itself as well it's a right friendly atmosphere and also i just go up for newcastle as well because 
a night out around there it's just buzzing it's it's so full of life mm, absolutely and good people there um, as well really nice friendly people i like newcastle yeah yeah it's been excellent really enjoyed it. i've not got much sleep because going out drinking ipa till god oh knows that's never good you know, there was a special ipa in this bar and i thought i'll have one pint and it was 6.3 percent and it was seven pounds ten really yeah so i said to darren i said it's your round mate and he got them yeah that's that's uh london prices that's crazy stuff mm. Mm. another one i've done as well i just remembered actually is a friend of mine, Nathan, who's not on the normal forums. He actually comes from my old hometown. And I met him when he lived in London and I'd moved to London. So we sort of didn't know each other on Portland and Weymouth, down in Dorset where he used to live, but we sort of got to know each other in London. And I've helped him out with bit, bits and bobs because he's not very technically minded, even though he's actually a CD, CDT teacher, sort of design and whatever teacher at school. Yeah. Uh, so he's not very good at electrical stuff, but he's good at the other stuff, you know, making stuff and, and graphics and all that kind of gear. And he said, oh, I've got a, a cocktail cabinet I'm putting together. I've done all the, the cosmetic stuff. Could you just wire up for me? And I asked him what monitors he's got and, you know, power supplies and stuff. And so we had to do some bits and bobs. And he wasn't too worried about having a CRT in there because the CRT he had was an old toey one. He wasn't sure whether it worked properly. And with an old monitor like that, you need a, a step down and all this sort of stuff. I said to him... Do you really want a CRT in it? Because if you do, we're going to have to make sure this thing works and the step down's got to work and you know the isolation transformer, all this sort of gear. And he said, "No, I'm not worried. I just want to play games on it." And I said, "Okay, have you got a, a, an LCD? I've got loads of LCDs. So if you put one in there, and it fitted lovely and flush to the table without any modifications, right? We'll use that." And he had one of those little Chinese PCBs that that converts uh, a CGA signal from the game into vga for the monitor and it does it does actually do the job quite nicely there's no real lag as far as i, I was playing a few games on it when i'd done it and it seemed fine and i wired yeah. up the controls for me he had everything sort of ready to go i just had to sort of put it in wire the mains to the jammer switcher wire the switcher to the edge connector and all in the controls to the edge connector the sound all that sort of stuff you know buttons and all that it didn't take that long. We had, we had limited time to do it, and it was red hot again. It was absolutely boiling there because it didn't have air conditioning in this school. It just had a load mm. of flat fans blowing on. It was absolutely red hot, and we just managed to get it done in time before the, the guy was shutting up the place. Um, so when he gets it back to his house in the holidays, I'm going to go back and just finish the last few bits off with him, and that'll be a second table. I mean, that was all right to do. That's quite nice helping someone out. Yeah, awesome. One last thing. Mm. Oh, actually, yeah, one last thing. Uh this morning, I went to the London Gaming Market in Russell Square, which is not too far from me. I thought that was yesterday, actually. I thought that was Saturday. No, no, it's always on a Sunday. All oh, right. Because uh, Steve's meet was yesterday, which I was there all day for, basically. I managed to talk to Garen at London Gaming Market, and he's agreed to talk to me over Skype for a little interview about his recent trip to Japan. Because he went to a lot of arcades and a lot of um, console shops when he was over there. Because you know how Garen loves a shmup. Oh, yeah. His, his name on Twitter is a retro shmupper. And he yeah. loved it. He's got some really nice pictures, and he's got some story, stories to tell me. A lot of the places I went to when I was over there, but they've got more games, obviously, because I was over there like nearly eight years ago now. Mm. Uh, and he had a really good time. He bought back, I think, two suitcases full of stuff. I saw the picture. He's got a <laughs> wall of stuff he brought back. He, every, he said to me, every cave game he saw, he bought. Right. So everything you saw with Cave on it, he had it away. So I'll get to, hopefully get to talk to him during the week sometime, and we'll have that on the next podcast. It was Brilliant. nice to see Garen and his partner. 
always a pleasure. But the actual London gaming market, uh, there was nothing really for me there. It's not a kind of thing for me. I'm not that into consoles. Any certain older, obscure stuff that is never really there. You get the usual sort of your Dreamcast, your PlayStation 2 and 3s, your SNES, your NES, Game Boy, all that sort of common stuff. Mm. And some of the stuff there, there was one place that Garen was at, um, there's a Scottish guy called Alan who runs, all his stuff is Japanese, all Japanese imported games. And that's just rare stuff. And some of the stuff now, I mean, some of the prices on some of the things, so expensive. I mean, the stuff's getting rare nowadays, you know? Mm. But yeah, so uh, it wasn't really for me, but I met up with Garen, which was nice. I think Alex and Whitney might have got there a little bit later on when they've nursed their hangovers. Because they, they stayed over at Steve's. I think yeah. many rums and beers were, were drank that night. <laughs> so that's about all I've been doing lately, I think. That's about it. Yeah, we've done loads, haven't we, the last two weeks. Well, it seems, it seems like I haven't done a lot. I haven't really been in the garage playing. But yeah, I, I need to sort of... I need to play more. Less messing, yeah. more playing. Yeah. Isn't it? Arcade News. Okay, here we go. Just a little, just a few pieces of news this week, kids. We had a message from Peter Kman Sweden. He saw on a Japanese website Dodonpachi Saiduju Saidu Aoju. Is that the newest one? I think it is Saiduju, something like that. Anyway, it sold for six hundred and forty thousand yen. Yeah, which is four thousand three hundred and seventy-four pounds. Is this just the PCB or is it the full kit? I I don't know. Actually, don't. Oh my lord! So so that's arcade hardware. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 4,374 quid. Jeepers. That couldn't have been even that price when it was new, was it? No, I think it might have been the last one they did in the arcade, you know, because they're all sort of on Xbox and mobile now, aren't they? Yeah, because normally I think a kit, when it's released, or recently, it was about 2,000-odd pounds. If you think Mm. you're putting in an arcade machine and you're charging 100 yen, which I think the exchange rate now is about 80p, I can't remember now what they said, but when I went, it was seventy six pence. So every time mm. you someone plays that game, that you're getting seventy six pence, which is quite a lot of money. Yeah. And in the UK, it'd probably be a pound, wouldn't it, if you had an arcade that was pay to play? Yeah. So that money would get back quite quickly. Mm. But yeah, I suppose if, if there's only a limited run of them, and arcades aren't letting them go, and then all of a sudden one goes on eBay for home users to buy, they're going to buy it at whatever cost. And was that actually sold for four thousand three hundred seventy four pounds? Yeah. Oh my lord, it's expensive. Here's another one I found: a Lego arcade cabinet. We'll put a link in the show notes for this. Someone actually made a cabinet out of Lego. How cool is that? It's good, isn't it? I like it. And we've talked about this hardware before: Exa Arcadia. Yes. So, someone pointed me to it. I can't remember who. Sorry. And it's like you know the airframe hardware for Sky Curse is going to be multiple games. Yes. Yes. This one is but, as well, isn't it? This one is as well, yeah, and it's there's a few details now. We'll put a link to the Arcade Heroes website, and it supports four four three ratio CRTs and sixteen nine LCDs. You can have four software titles to. It's like a, I think they're like cartridges almost that you plug in like an old Neo Geo thing. Yeah. Optimized for operators with no forced revenue sharing. I think the the Nessica Live systems, them kind of systems nowadays. You have to give back to Taito, wherever it is. Oh, really? You're almost renting the machine, kind of thing. Oh, that's no good, is it? 
No, it's, it's called revenue sharing, isn't it? When I was talking to Garen earlier, I think he's in contact with one of the developers who's building a game for this. Ah. Yeah. So it's more sort of indie developers like the Sky Cursor guys. But you've got already on board, you've got G-Rev, their shooting specialist, Cebu Kiatsu, you know, Raiden. Oh, excellent stuff. City Connection, I thought they were formerly Jailco. J-E-A, oh. not, not Jalico, Jailco. Oh, okay. So they've all got some support. That local local Melito's updating his game, which was Super High Dora. Oh, that's such a good game. I really like that game. Yeah, Excellent so that, stuff. It's it's like almost like the indie version of arcade stuff, which I really yeah. approve of. I really approve of it. Yeah, so yeah, another sort of arcade kit coming mm. out, and it's not just Japan this time either. Oh, brilliant! That's excellent. That's Yeesh. about it for our news. We haven't got much this time, have we? No, everyone's been watching the World Cup. And there's no news. <sighs> Arcade pickups. I've got a few things, but I think this is going to be the only podcast where you've got more stuff than me. Mm. Get ready for this, kid. Let's do my rubbish ones first. I got a Taito Game Station T-shirt, which has got the same logo from the uh, the Taito Japan Arcades. That's yep. really nice. I got a Dig Dug Puka T-shirt. Yeah. Which I'm going to put a picture of myself, Alex, and Whitney when we're out on Friday night. I'm going to pop that on the website. People see my t shirt. Oh, this is a good one. It's not arcade, but it is a game. I got Captain Toad, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker on the Switch. I downloaded the demo of it to play the first couple of levels of it. Absolutely brilliant. I pre ordered it and it came on Friday. And I only got to play it sort of Saturday daytime. Oh, it's so good. It's so flipping good. It's like what a little puzzle it? game where you play this little guy and you've got a 3D world and you can rotate the world around so you can see different parts of it, like different walls. And you go in places and you've got to turn it around to see what you're doing. And you've got to find little diamonds and little hidden things. And it's just a really simple little puzzle game, but it's really, really good. I really enjoyed it. When I played it on Alex's Wii U ages ago when the Wii U was still relevant, I really enjoyed it. And I fancied getting a Wii U just to play that, but I didn't really, just for one game, whatever. And what they've done now is they've taken... I think it's the same game, because they're doing this a lot on the Switch. They're getting the old Wii U games, putting them onto the Switch, but then adding loads of stuff to them. Right. So you're not being cheated with an old game, really. And obviously the graphics are better and all this sort of stuff. And you can play it with different controllers, because apparently two players can play it at the same time using the Joy-Cons. But I've not managed to play it. I've just been playing it on the Pro Controller, but me and Tori, my wife, will probably be playing it together later on. So it sounds quite quite fun to play, but it's a really cutesy, very Nintendo fun game. Colourful, silly. I just really enjoy it. I laugh when I'm playing it. I really like it. Oh, excellent. It's an excellent game. At the me, Phil Murray was there. Good old Phil. Uh, and he fixed the track and field for me. He had off me a little while back. And he goes, oh, do you want it back? You can sell it on if you want. It's worth quite a lot of money. So thank you very much for that, Phil. And nice. I've got a, a sort of fixed <coughs> track and field I can sell on now. Because it's not a game I really play, even if it's, even if it's quite good. Uh, yeah. I got my rescue board back from Alex, because it's only on loan to Alex, and he's hopefully getting one off Steve Backflipper. Uh, Japanese biscuits from Garen this morning. Ooh. Ooh, nice. yeah. Apparently there's some Japanese Tim Tams in there. Ooh, I think I think he's sending me some as well, you know. Nice. Mm. So what, right, okay. First one is quite normal. Tell me that. that I've got a good... Got. 
I've got a good quality SNES gamepad copy, a good quality, not these four quid jobs, yeah. with it with a USB connection, just for just for play on the Raspberry Pi. I'm, I'm playing a few. Oh, what are they? Uh, PC Engine shooters like Soldier Blade and that. Oh, they're really good, aren't they? Yeah, really good. I don't know why. I don't know how I missed out on all that lot, but I'm playing a few of them. They're really nice. And they work really and, nicely on the Raspberry Pi, don't they? Yeah, not not. On, I've got a Raspberry Pi one. It doesn't seem to like to run them very fast, but a three. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. But thirty-five quid. What, how can you go wrong? No, you can't. You can't go wrong. You can only go right. I've got a few of those um, USB controllers. What I did with my Raspberry Pi because I wanted it just for console stuff. I'm all in one place in a little in a little box. I bought. So I did buy the cheaper ones. Uh, I bought a SNES, a NES, and a Mega Drive USB controller. And the quality isn't brilliant. I think the SNES one's okay and the NES one's okay, but the, the Mega Drive one, the, the stick on it's not very good. You know, the D-pad is a bit bouncy, so you tend yeah. to miss misplace where you're going. But it was the, the I think the the best way to play console stuff is is in one place with the correct controller. I think that's the most important thing about that. Mm, and and yeah. the CRT screen for me, I prefer to play on a CRT, which I do with my Raspberry Pi. Mm. That's pretty cool. You can be using that in the Batcave. Yeah, we'll do actually. Yeah, I think, think nice. we'll probably probably take that. Guess what? Right, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, my son who works at the Blackburn Council in the IT department, mm-hmm. one of his colleagues said, "Oh, hey, your dad's into his old computers. Said, I've got loads in the loft. Do you want them?" So, so Luke texted me the list, and I thought, "God, there's some good stuff here." So I wow. text the bloke text the bloke back saying look some of this is worth money he says no no have it i just want rid of it just oh, wow every, that's just nice want everything yeah just take the lot so me and lewis went round th- this week <laughs> proper <laughs> computer raid with his estate car because he's got like he's got four children now lewis Ooh. he's got three children with he's got one one lewis four yes and then three children with his partner Ooh. So he, he needs a big car. So he went round with this big estate car and we filled it, absolutely filled it to the roof, even down in the footwell in the driver's seat of computer <laughs> stuff. And, right, we got, this is some of the stuff, we're still searching through it and testing it, an Amiga 2000. That's like the the like a PC-shaped Amiga, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's oh, not cool. work. It's not unfortunately. It's not working at the minute. Amstrad six one two eight, Commodore Vic twenties, sixty fours, Amiga five hundreds, at least three of them, wow. and peripherals, joysticks, mice, BBC Master System. Yeah, which I know someone who might want that. Yes, <laughs> a BBC Model One B. Yeah. Oh, no, you want that one, don't you? Not the Master System. You, you want them both? I'm not sure, actually, because I was on to Richard Broadhurst about this, because the one I've got is a Compact 128, right. a Master Compact, and it, it, it's got different parts in it. They're not so good for gaming. I can't play a joystick on it, because ah. the, the thing I use to, to load the games uses the joystick port or something. Right. So it's not really the best one to play. I think Richard Broadhurst says the Bs are the best, because they're the best at upgradable, because he puts the speech chip in his. And you can put extra right. sideways RAM, I think it's called, in it. And that enhances the games that he's made. And I mainly want the BBC to play arcade ports on, because the BBC has got some really, really cool arcade ports in. But I want to play them with yeah. the joystick. I can sort a joystick out, because it's analogue, but I can I can make digital to analogue uh, little adapters easily enough. And, and Richard seems to think, and he, he's my expert on BBCs, that the B is the best. So I might have the B off you. But you're going to come right. and see me soon and bring a ton of this stuff for me to have a look at. 
yeah. hopefully fix some of it because you say some of them don't work. But on these old 8-bit computers, especially the 8-bit ones, it's usually one component inside that doesn't work that breaks down. Mm. And it's, it's it costs like 50p to fix it. Or if you use an upgraded component, it's about three quid. So yeah. I can fix limited errors with those things. And, and make, it, I can almost guarantee... 60% of them will be this, this one piece that'll be easy to fix. Right. So, so Lewis has got an Amiga 500 and 500 plus yeah. work, working. They're working. Uh-huh. I think we've got a couple of others that are not working. There's BBC cassette recorders. There's cassette decks. There's floppy drives. Floppy drives? Five floppy drives. Five and a quarter inch floppy drives. Oh, my Lord. There's two monitors, Acorn monitors. That will come in handy. Hmm. Three Acorn Electrons, two Acorn A3000s, an Acorn Archimedes 440, which is worth a lot if it works, yeah. ZX Spectrums, plus twos, no actual Spectrum, Spectrum Plus, plus two, ZX81 with a thermal printer, and it had a, printout, had a printout on it of a little maze game. Oh, wow. Amazing. That was the and old, that, it was looked like tinfoil paper, didn't it? And it used to yeah. burn very light burn the top of it to make the characters in it what a rubbish idea that was <laughs> <laughs> and an apple power mac we don't know if that works i think it's an old one what does a power mac look like it doesn't look like um a macintosh does it with its own little screen no it's just a case it's just an actual pc case oh okay yeah it's one of the later yeah. ones in actual yeah yeah an N64, which just does work. That'll come in in handy at the back cave. Absolutely. And, and I reckon at least 2,000 three-and-a-half-inch floppy disks. Oh, my Lord. Most of them are Amiga. Yeah. And about at least a couple of hundred boxed Spectrum C64 games. Some of them are mint. Oh, really wow. nice. So I've got to look through it all. And because mm. I've been away everywhere, I've not, I've not looked through it all. Oh, wow. But there's I love... absolutely tons of it. It's in the shed. It's all around me here. <laughs> Even though a lot of those things, I wouldn't actively go to like the London gaming market and buy myself. But if you get, I don't know, given them or you get a really good deal on whatever, and it's like a raid, it's really interesting just looking through. Yeah, that works. This one needs fixing. Put it on the other pile. This one works. Just try that out. Or that works. And just getting through it and and just seeing stuff. And just testing it. I love doing that. It's like when you have one of these arcade raids, you might find a load of PCBs and you don't know what they are. So you take them for little money, test them at home. If you're lucky, some of them will work and some will be fixable or someone might want them to buy for cheap for spares or whatever. And it's just a lot of fun exploring those things, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, it yes. really appeals to me. So you got a really good deal there. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Really, really nice guy. And the only thing he kept was a Commodore Pet. Oh, a pet. And, and, yeah, we said, oh, oh can you, do, you, do you want that, mate? He said, yeah, actually, I want to keep this one. <laughs> you know, with the, the funny root and funny sort of shaped monitor They're case. really, really iconic. You can't really do anything on them. I don't think there's many no. games from them. I think it's more of a sort of business thing. But, I, I mean, a business thing in the late 70s. So you imagine mm. what you could do with a computer in the late 70s. You might get a half-functional word processor or a spreadsheet or something, or something that does sums, maybe. But Could yeah, it make not, toast? It doesn't make toast, no. But I, oh. lo- I love the industrial design of the pet. It's is it got the chiclet keyboard, the really nasty little keyboard on it? Or did it have a proper the, keyboard? Couldn't see the keyboard, just could see the top of it in his loft. Ah, that's probably one of the, the chiclet keyboard, and it's got a tape recorder on the left-hand side built into it. Because there was a Could number have. of models of it, and that's the sort of iconic mm. one, that one. Oh, yeah. So cool. Yeah, so that was fantastic, because the list 
my son originally gave me like 12 machines there's like at least 30 we've got wow so he said oh i've got a bit more than i think so yeah <laughs> cool. we literally could not fit anything else in the car wow we left two old two dot dot matrix printers that we couldn't fit in because we did we did say we'd take everything but we just could not fit them in can you not just balanced it on the car roof or stuck them down with a bit of gaffer tape <laughs> yeah. who would want a dot matrix do you know what some dot matrix printers are still used nowadays because you know they 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 got little pins that fire through the ink ribbon. Yeah. Apparently, you can do that carbon paper with it, so you can do invoices and stuff and receipts with it that goes through two pieces of paper. Yeah, that's we what use they're still used for. It's bizarre, isn't it? They're still they they haven't made a modern replacement for a dot matrix, really. Yeah, we you, use them for delivery notes. Yeah. You see them in a lot of old garages, like you know places that do tires and stuff. They still use that old junky stuff. It's amazing what the eighties kit is still being used these days. Amazing. Mm. So that is going to be really good for the back cave when you get some of the machines polished up and get some software on them. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. It'd be nice. I know you said a lot of the the back cave people are a little bit younger than us. Yeah, it'd be nice to introduce them to some games on older machines, see if they like them. Yeah, it's a. We had what did we have? James's Atari twenty six hundred, right? Playing Kaboom with a oh, paddle. It's a great game, yeah, yeah. But not many people played it at all. I don't think you know. It's just not Philistines. They see the graphics, and you know, they go over to like whatever's playing Streets of Rage or Bomberman or something like that. You know, yeah. But some of the games, I think, a game is a game, isn't it? it doesn't matter if it's mm. got flashy graphics. If it's fun to play, especially when you've got head to head with someone as well. Mm. Yeah, excellent. I might be able to help you out with some software for some of the machines as well, or guide you in the right direction of getting stuff so you can play lots of games on them. Yeah, well, excellent. Excellent stuff. So good. I can't believe you've outdone me on the pickups. <laughs> well done, sir. What an only time. Let me give you a ping for that. Thank you. Listener feedback. We haven't had as much feedback as normal, have we? Everyone's watching the World Cup, Vic. Oh, shut up about that flipping thing. <laughs> I think what it is, is when, when we get a game that's not too popular, we don't have so much feedback, because not as many people playing. But this mm. is the feedback, anyway. The first one is from Tim Keeling. I've listened to episode 111 already, and it's flipping smashing. Mmm. Lance Thompson's given us a picture of some biscuits called Vic. <laughs> they, look like, they, look like, they look like Ritz biscuits and cheesy ones. Away on holiday in Croatia, and I cannot get away from Victor. No, I will follow you. To, well, I won't follow you to Croatia. I've been there before. Cine Steve, thank you for the shout out, guys. It was a lovely two week paternity leave as the baby just slept in the days so many games were played. I was talking to Cine Steve the other day. I feel like I've been really educated on this week's podcast. Operation Wolf was not a light gun. My mind was blown. Explains yeah. why you never see one with bad calibration. And never knew Arcadia World Darts was an arcade game. The Amiga version is dreadful. It used exactly the same artwork as the 8-bit computers uh, game 180, which I mentioned, which is a game yeah. I loved on the 64. Great music, I believe I mentioned it years ago in the old section used to do console games that would have been good in an arcade. I know dark games aren't for everyone, but I think a remake of 180 with a trackball and the lovely seaside postcard artwork on the side would be brilliant. Also, Victor, if you want to speed up your Mac Mini, your old computer... Just installed an SSD. I have a late 2012 iMac and just bought an external SSD and made it a bootable drive. It's now rapid. He also said, bring your Vectrex controllers to Bonehead's Meat. I really want to check them out. Brackets, steal them. I did yeah. take them with me and he did like them. 
actually. But yeah, he didn't steal right. them. I didn't let him. Ben Benassic, great podcast, guys. The new game is killing me often by sharks as I can't stab them in face fast enough. Really enjoying the backlist of episodes. Just sad it's taken me so long to discover this podcast. Keep up the great work. Golf clap. Hurrah! He mentioned sharks. There are no mm. sharks in this week's game. <laughs> Crocodiles, aren't they? Crocodiles and jellyfish. Crocogators. They're not jellyfish, that's bubbles. We'll get on to that. Matt Neo MK. <laughs> Evening Victor Shaw. They're not. Right. Great entertaining podcast, as always. It was nice to hear about another independent gaming shop doing well, and I love the theme of the one in Brighton. However, it was sad to hear that Zaps Arcade didn't come off in Bournemouth, being fairly close to where I live in Wiltshire. Stuck in the south, we get jealous of you lucky folk in the north who have easy access to arcades. Hats off, though, to Stuart at the Time Walk Arcade in particular, who I get down to visit whenever I can. Keep up the good work, and thanks especially to Victor for the great game tip with the fab little tiny arcades. Pie Factory Sean, Mr. Sean Courtney, he says, uh, this is some addenda in a router, actually. Should we do, should we do the tune? Can we no. nick it? He sent us, because we got it wrong, he sent us the actual lyric sheet, hasn't he? It just <laughs> says addendum and errata, doesn't it? And we got it wrong. I think it's... a Attender and disaster, attender mm. and disaster, attender. So we don't get sued then if we say, if we ch- slightly change it. Yeah, attender and disaster. <laughs> anyway, class of 1981 actually features Miss Pac-Man and Gallagher. I I said Pac-Man and Gallagher oh. with Pac-Man accessible via an Easter egg. All oh, over an Easter egg. 25th anniversary had all f- all three games up front. I knew that one of them. You had to change a dip switch setting or do something to get Pac-Man to work on it, but it was already on there. I didn't know that, mm. uh, but I think I was thinking of the, th- the three-in-one. You can play Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, and Gallagher from the, the title screen. So I was thinking of that one, I reckon. Right. Uh, the last bit, Jeremy Riley. Keep going with the podcast, guys. You have a great format and are encouraging a whole bunch of gamers to play, both old favourites and new experiences. Victor's recent rant about Halo games on the Ryden podcast, made me realise that while he has a lot to teach about the arcade games and, ar- and hardware, he has little understanding of modern shooters. I have no idea. Mm. I've never played Halo. I believe it's a third-person game. I've never played it. It's very good. It's very good. I don't care. Halo 2's a favourite. That, that, that is still a favourite, you know, Halo Was there 2. more than one? Oh, God, yeah, there was three. There was ODST, there's Reach, there's... There's five, is there Halo 5 out? Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was an interesting new world that Microsoft introduced with the original Xbox. I, I, I never really liked FPS as much, but that was quite a good one. The only ones I ever liked was sort of the Dooms and the Quakes. Yeah. That's about it. I had a Quake last night, but that was after all the IPA. <laughs> Shout out. I would like to shout out to everyone who went to Steve's meet, especially Steve for putting it on. Thank you, Steve, for your hospitality. Uh, Whitney, who was over from America. Always nice to see a friend, Whitney. And uh, he went out with me and Alex as well. Harry, Harry Bolt, who played professional piano for us. And he actually played a load of video game music. Everyone was saying, play Tetris, play this. And he was playing loads of music he knows. And also some film soundtracks from some of the Ghibli films. Really, really good. Such oh. a such a talented musician. Really, really cool. And who else were we talking about? Uh, Garen at the London Gaming Market. Uh, Going to talk to him very soon about his Japanese shmup adventures. 
Uh, Gadget Freak Aaron uh, for his arcade ROM hacks and patches, and also meeting him properly at the meet. Because someone said about his ROM hacks, I said, look, that guy out there, is that Gadget Freak? And he went, yeah, that's Aaron. Oh, and I rushed over and shook his hand and said, hello, I'm Victor. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I was helping him you know, test some of the bits and bobs. And he's a super clever guy. He knows far more than I do about electronics and programming and stuff. Really, really good. And he's got some interesting projects coming up as well. So hopefully we'll help him out with some of those. Mm. Uh, P-Man, Andy Wellburn, he was over from Oakland, all the way from California. Uh, and also, thank you to Food Fight for being the star game at the meet. And I got right into it. I have tried it a few times. It is at Arcade Club, and I just I think it needs twin stick for a start. No, 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 no. You are probably in the same mindset as me. You thought, oh, it's all right. It's quite a simple game. When you get into mm. it and play it properly, it's a lot of fun. It's a silly, fun game. And it's, it gets a little bit deeper when you get into it. And it's one of those games where, as you get better at it, your scores go exponentially up because the, the scores really ramp up the more you play it and the longer yeah. you play at it. I really, really want to do it for the podcast. But you, you've got to have analog sticks. So if we do it, it basically mm. be just for you and me and anyone who can get to Arcade Club, because Arcade Club have got a food fight to yep. play it. Because not many people are going to have analog sticks set up at home for their MAME. And actually no. getting a PCB or a machine is quite difficult to do. You can play it with an eight-way stick, but it's not as accurate. So what we might have to do, because I really, really want to play it, I'm going to make myself an analog stick to play it yeah. with. Uh, I've also been offered... Not sure what's going on with it yet. I've been offered a spare PCB to borrow on a long-term basis because they're mm. quite rare. The guy doesn't want to sell it to me, which I can understand, but he's going to lend it to me for a while. All I need to do is get an analog stick control panel made up for one of my machines and stuff it in there and make a, a jammer adapter for it because it's not a jammer game. It's an older game. But I would love to do that. I really like Food Fight. But what we might have to do if we do that is we can have the scores on analog for like you guys who can get to Arcade Club and play it and maybe record some scores next time you're at Arcade Club or whatever, yeah. when we do it, I can play it at home with an analogue thing and then we'll have a separate scoreboard for the people playing it with an eight-way stick. Yeah, sounds fair enough. So you, you wouldn't people playing it on an eight-way wouldn't get the full potential, but they at least get to play with us when they're playing it, and then mm. we can get the full potential and we can review it accurately for the listeners. What do you reckon? Right. Yeah, it's doable, isn't it? Because that's going to be my next pick. But I have to make my analog stick yet. I've got to either make an analog stick for my machines and get the PCB, or play it on MAME, and I'll have to buy an APAC, which is a, a, mm. an adapter for using analog stuff on a PC. But people can do that, but you've got to get hold of an analog joystick. And I've actually got two spare that I've never ever mm. used because I've never played any analog games with it. But with right. analog, you can then play stuff like Red Baron is an analog game, Food Fight. There's a bunch of them, actually. I can't think space of Space Area. Space Area. Yeah, Space Area's analogue as well, isn't it? There must be quite yeah. a few older games that are analogue. Ooh, that's interested me now, that has. <laughs> and also, if people have got that Ultra Stick I was on about, the, the programmable one, you can program that to emulate analogue sticks as well. Right. I might have to get an Ultra Stick. They're about £45. They're quite expensive, but they're really quite clever. 
Mm. Hmm. Okay. Nice one. Right. Any for you? Any shout outs? Ooh, I've got 119. Ooh. Big Phil and the Nerg team. Thank you very much. Shout out to them. It's it's just fantastic. James and the Retro Games Party team of Will, Darren and Super Stew. Super Stew. Super Stew. All the people I had a right laugh with and it makes it a really memorable event. It's the people that make the event. Yeah. Not not the arcade. Actually, it's quite, it is a quite a lot of the games but it's the people as well yeah it's lovely to meet up with people isn't it yeah if i've forgotten anybody sorry but here we go mike lees mark armstrong darren hatton john budd chris mooncrest bootleg chris k june k june i hate that song i don't know the words please stop pie factory sean's not gonna be very happy so i don't know the words to k hey jude oh no minimum power downs phil and paul Maximum power up football. He is Jimmy. He is. It was rocking a bit of bomb jack when I left today. Neil twenty to five. Troll nads to despicable troll nads. Despicable troll nads. A Mark Happy Dude who beat us all on turbo. Dan Flig and anyone else I may have forgotten. What? It's just a great coming together. We were all hugging and kissing and laughing. Ooh. Maybe not that much. Not that much. Nice. No. There is no Curio Corner this week. Because it says on our notes here, you've got something for this. We need a little bit more research. You've been busy with Nerg. Yeah, I've been. I've been off work for a week. I've been away for, all over the place. So yeah, it's it's worth waiting for, kids or can, not. Can you give us you a little? Decide. Can you give us a little snifter of what it's going to be about? No. Oh, they're all waiting, Sean. They're on tenter hooks. Are they bothered or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Okay. Best games by a year. Right, we're doing 1988, and it is you, sir, your turn to tell me about some games from 1988 you should have thought were really good. And I will In- comment. Important or... Influential? Influential, yeah, that's, that's Or it. just yeah. personal favourites. Take yeah. it away, Sean. Altered Beast by Sega made a splash, made a splash on, my re- on release, but more style over substance, in my opinion. I, I had... a. Uh, a very gentlemanly disagreement with someone on Twitter about this. And it actually was a really intelligent argument on Twitter. It wasn't just like, mm, I like this, mm, I like that. We both gave reasons why we either liked or didn't like Altered Beast. I think it's a terrible game. It's slow. It's very weird. But weird can mm. be good. Uh, and the guy kicks like he's playing football. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the graphics on it are really odd because... You're a really huge, burly guy with a tiny little pea head. Yeah. When, when you, you transform into the monsters, it just looks very weirdly drawn. And it's it's a very mm. slow, treacly game. Mm. But people love it. Fair enough. Treacly. Treacly. Mm. Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja by Data East. A ridiculously brilliant name. Got it! That's what the guys do when you pick up something. Got it! I can't remember. I love the fact <laughs> that you've got to rescue President Ronnie at the end and you go out for burgers. Nice. I'm going to have to have a look at that again. I do remember seeing it and not playing it because it just wasn't my thing. Chase HQ by Taito, the battle car racer subgenre, was born. And there is there is a surprising amount of these weird... <laughs> There's one called Roundup 5, what? which I've spotted. Yeah, that's another one. I've never seen that. Well, is actually, it a follow-up to it? No. It's it's just a, a copy, and that's an arcade club. Ooh, weird. Roundup 5. Very weird. Anyway, Fantasy Zone 2, The Tears of Oprah Winfrey. 
from Sega. It's a lovely game. It's really daft and cheesy, but loads of colourful fun. I enjoy it. I like that one when we did it. Oh, nice. Forgotten Worlds from Capcom. It's about forgetting whole worlds. Forgotten Worlds, I wanted to play that on the SDL main, and it's one of the ROMs that wouldn't work, so I need to download a new ROM set. I want to play Forgotten Worlds. Is that the one with the odd joystick, or is it just turn around? Because one of them, you've got an odd joystick which fires in three directions, or it's got a rotary joystick. I'm thinking, know, of, I'm thinking of something else, I think. Carry on. It is a side-scrolling sort of man, you know, shooting, a isn't it? A side-scrolling man? Yeah. <laughs> Galaxy Force 2, a massive deluxe, rotatey Sega thing. Is this in the... Ooh, the, the, the gyroscope game, it goes 360 degrees, the R360. Was that one of the games yeah. in that? Yeah. Ooh, that would be good. I'd love to play on one of those. I don't think I'd enjoy the game much. I'm not too keen on the Sega sprite scaling games but i want to go upside down in it in a proper cab that'd be cool ghouls and ghosts from capcom a very good sequel but very hard as we found out far too hard to be enjoyable but looks awesome hard drive in from atari polygons amazed me at the time looks terrible now realistic driving simulator it was billed as i never liked simulators i mean when i played Mm. this i think you you need to know how to drive to play it because isn't there a clutch and and pedals and stuff there's not a clutch but there's yeah gear shifter and and brake and that i don't think there's a clutch when i was a kid i couldn't i tried to play and i couldn't work it out but you've actually got a key i think when you you turn the key that that starts the game it just does that but you had to sit on a on a a little seat and i think the the steering wheel was force feedback so it actually steer itself in a track mode it move around in track mode yeah but i don't like it and the polygons look awful nowadays they haven't dated very well have they i used to play this at dinner times in the swan revived mm. swan revived in well embrace to say a pint of lager and i'd like to crash into a barn please i said oh, you can you, you can play hard driving there's a barn on that and i usually should hit the barn i don't know why anyway <laughs> haunted castle by konami only mentioned because it is a cast it's really the castlevania game that made it to the arcade uh that's an expensive pcb now it's very collectible that one and it's rubbish. Have you played it? I don't think I have. Is it? Is it the kind of um, Rastan Saga kind of thing? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, though. I'm not keen on those games, really. Not very well done. Hot Rod from Sega. have to mention this because of its enduring popularity at Arcade Club. There is always someone on that four-player cocktail thingy stand-up This thingy. is a really nice top-down four-player racing game. It's rather like Super Sprint with scrolling tracks. Yeah. Uh, and the tune gets stuck right in your ears. The only bad thing about this game is the hardware it's on. It's on a System 24 Sega hardware, and it loads the games from a three and a half inch floppy disk. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they don't work very often. I remember one down at the arcade barn in Exmouth years and years ago, probably over ten years ago, and we were trying to we we're trying to back up the discs on it because it uses a few discs. I think once it's loaded into it, it stays in memory. But if you want to put another really? game on there, you put another disc in. They were trying to back the discs up, and it was a nightmare doing it. It was horrible. You don't really want magnetic media in an arcade machine. Mm. With all that dust going on, the heat, stinky arcades, all that sort of... Especially in the 80s, where it was all smoky and horrible. It's just stuff wouldn't work. Hmm. Narc from Williams. I think this is Doc Mac's favourite game, I it believe. Is. Yeah, he's very good. He's a world record holder on it. I just being, I remember being amazed by the graphics on this at the time. They were just outstanding to me, and they still look good now. It's one of those games for me. I don't like the look of it because they look, they're digitised again, aren't they? 
I, I'm not sure, you know. I've never been into digitised graphics. I like I like cartoony graphics in games or pixelated stuff. I'm not into this rendered and, and digitised mm. stuff. Never been a fan of them, really. I'll have to play it again because I can't remember if they are or not. Hmm. Anyway, P47, the Phantom Fighter from Jalico because of the Welly Road run. Explain, question marks. The Welly Road run is an old pub crawl in Northampton, Wellingborough Road, that goes from the top of the road to the bottom of the road. And when you're at the bottom of the road, you are in the town centre of Northampton and you are drunk because there's like 12 pubs. In one of these pubs, they rotated quite a few games, but they had this P-47 scrolling, airplane, military, shooter, horizontal. And it's... It's a pretty decent game. I think Stuart's got it at Time Warp Arcade. Well, I've just got fun, fun memories of playing it with my mates all them years ago. Nice. So it's not particularly important. I just like it. Mm. Power Drift from Sega. Uh, souped up, boring outrun. It's at the show today, throwing little children out of the seat. Oh, yeah, there's a moving one. Yeah. Probably the best thing for them, really. <laughs> you can't say that. Yeah, I Okay. Robocop from Data East, a fondly regarded movie tie-in. Better alive, you're coming with me. This is not Robocop, it's Robot Policeman. Yeah. Because I recently saw, uh, quite a while back, there was a website that listed and showed really horrible foreign bootleg toys. And one of them was Robocop in China, and it was called Robot Policeman. And it was a was really it? bad version of RoboCop. It was absolutely awful. It was really Is it funny. not Robert Cop or something? Really I bad. I think there might have been a Robert Cop as well, but I've always called it yeah. Robot Policeman. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to play Robot? Do you want to play RoboCop? No, I want to play Robot Policeman. <laughs> Shadow Warriors from Tecmo. I always thought this was Shinobi 2 for some reason. I don't know why I always did. Uh, this is also called Ninja Garden, isn't it? Or Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Garden, yeah. Uh, I've I've actually finished this game. And when I was a kid, probably about 14 or 15 actually, I kept stuffing coins into it with a mate until we actually completed it. Cost an absolute fortune. And I'm pretty certain that that game is impossible without continues. It gets really stupidly unfair with some of the bosses in it. Mm, I'm not sure you can do it. Splatterhouse from Namco. Gorefest. Quite atmospheric gorefest. I never really got into the game. It's really slow, like Halt of the Beast. And if I ever had a PCB of it, I'd turn it into Pac-Mania, which is a great game. Ha, 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 ha. Lots of Play Choice 10 games are out in 1988, so mm-hmm. still going strong with a little NES, NES machine. Tetris from Atari. This is the Atari version. Yeah. A good version of the arcade. I know Sega had one as well. I've put here Benidorm Story. Well, before you do the Benidorm Story... Yeah, this was my first ever PCB, and it's only a, about a little eight-inch square PCB. It's really small, and it was the mm. first one I ever had. And it was given to me by a friend of mine, an operator, which is really cool. Right. Tell me about Benidorm. What happened in Benidorm with Tetris? There was Tetris in this bar when we went in Benidorm in 1990. I was waiting for a go on it, queuing up because I was well into Tetris. I think I think at that time I had it on my Game Boy as well. I might not have done mm. anyway. And there was this girl playing it with her boyfriend watching to the side. And she was doing really well. She's doing amazingly well. And she got like, I don't know, a couple of hundred lines Mm -hmm. and then died and just walked off in disgust. (laughs) And I thought, if she can do that good, I'm going to do really good. And you you get this positive determination that flows through your 
you through your ears, Vic, and out your toenails. Yeah. And the very next game I had, I got over a hundred lines which I've never done before. Ooh. And it was all it was all because in my mind I thought, well, if she's she's can do that and she's walked off disgusted because she's had a bad game i'm blinking well going to get 100 lines and it's yeah it's it's you can apply that story kids to lots of things in life possibly i remember on the game boy version which is the definitive tetris ever it's the best version mm. ever and then the atari arcade version is the second best version and then there's in that order i could get <laughs> over 100 lines on the game boy one i was really good at the game boy one and the noises of the game boy one i can still hear nowadays when you get the four when you get a Tetris, it makes that like mm. certain noise, which sounds just like this. Brilliant. Do you know what my high score on Game Boy Tetris was? No. Lines, 211. I think mine was about 190, getting on that way. When, when you hit 200, it just goes bonkers. It goes bonkers after 10 lines, uh, 100 lines, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's mad. Next one, the New Zealand story from Taito, cutie little Kiwis. Yeah, played a lot of that on the Spectrum and Amiga back in the day. We reviewed it for the podcast. We quite liked it, didn't we? Mm, yeah. Tubing from Atari. Only mentioned this because the unusual cabin controls. I've been playing that yesterday, actually, because that's one of the Retro Games Party cabs. I never quite got into this. Uh, it's a nice-looking, very thin cab. But it it's is. More, it's sort of like a rhythm game because you've got a sort of paddle with your left and right hands on the buttons, haven't you? Mm, it, yeah. I don't quite get that mechanic, but it, it does look pretty good. It's clever. Yeah, if you imagine... Especially two players together. Mm. Mm. If you imagine paddling a, a boat with your your loved one down a canal. A canal? Yeah, dodging the trolleys. This is UK shopping, tubing down a canal. <laughs> dodging the shopping trolleys, sticking out. Yeah, and, some, and the some turds floating past. Some man with a can of special with his legs dipping in the water. Yeah, it's it's that kind of control. We'll still know what I'm on about. Anyway, Truxton or Tatsujin from Plan, developed by Plan, released by Taito. It's a masterpiece, honestly, rubbish. isn't it? Absolute rubbish. <laughs> no, it's a very polished shmup. I'm only joking. It's really good. <laughs> Vulcan Venture from Konami. Them sons are big. Uh, yeah, there's some massive sons on the first level. I just fixed this, my Gradius 2. I put some new yep. RAM in it. It's not anywhere near as good as the original, is it? No. It's. No. I, I played the first level on it. It's a very, very long level. It just gets boring after a while. Mm. With Gradius, you've always got like different things coming at you, and it's it's quite difficult. And this one just seems really dull. Just overly long levels. Meh. And you have Vigilante from IRM. That's a sort of a follow-up to Kung Fu Master, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That is another ROM that won't work on my SDL MAME at the moment, and I want to play that. I think it's a lot harder, Vigilante, because I'm quite good at Kung Fu Master, but Vigilante, I think, is difficult. Mm. Mm. And finally, we have Xenon. On the, I only mention because it's the Amiga Arcadia hardware. It's not Xenon 2, not the better Xenon 2, just Xenon. It's a slow, boring game. Why didn't they put the better one of the two in the arcade, then? Yeah, Because with Xenon 2, the only thing that game is really known for is the music it used bomb the bass music sampled music and it had some bonkers power-ups in it but i played it a little while ago on an on actual hardware amiga i thought it was really slow and boring really slow game just rubbish so come on then out of all that lot what's your favorite one of 1988 i am gonna say probably very obvious but i'm gonna say truxton thought you might that's a game you, you're one of your favorite shmups nowadays even isn't it I still like it. I've never played it enough to get really good at it. I've dipped my toe in and out like you would in the canal. Yeah. 
Where the Mine has got to be one of two. Tetris for being sentimental value to me, being my first PCB. Or Fantasy Zone 2, which I really enjoyed when we did it. But I like the later Fantasy Zone they did on, on the, the better hardware. They did yeah, one we- in 1990 something. It was on System 16B hardware released in 2008. Is that the one we reviewed? I can't remember which one we reviewed. No, we reviewed the original one, which is this one, I believe. And there's a better version, which has got better graphics and better scrolling and stuff on on later hardware. I like that one better because it's a bit more polished. But that version's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm. So I will be doing 1989 next time. We're running out of good games. I think as the games got later, they weren't quite as good. But there might be a few gems in there. Yeah, we'll have a look, won't we? Mm. Are you ready to be quizzed, Sean? Arcade quiz time. I've I've not had a lot of sleep, so can I have, like, easy quiz or three points to start with? No. (laughs) Go on, then. No. I'm going to quiz you right up, Sam. (laughs) Number one. On what arcade hardware would you play Sonic the Hedgehog? Sega System 1. Megatech or Mega Play hardware? Oh, God. You should have known that. I know. What is unusual about a Wizard of War control panel? He looks confused, listeners. The stick's in the middle, I don't know. I don't know. What? Nearly. Player one is on the right, player two is on the left. Oh, yeah. Number three. Who produced the flicky arcade cabinet? Midway. Yes, Bally Midway. Four. What is the second event on Hypersports? Oh, God, I don't know this. Is it swimming? No, that's number one. It's skeet shooting. Five. How many different games can you play on Nintendo Space Fever? Three. Yep. Uh, where is the game Tomahawk 77 based? It's an old game. Vietnam. No, the C. It's a C game. <laughs> Number seven. They have what... C's in Vietnam. <laughs> it's true. What has Exodus Bandido got on its side art? Cowboys. Nope. It's got a vulture sat on a barrel smoking a cigar. Oh. Number eight. What control method does the game Mars use? It's a eight-way stick. I have to stick. rush you. I have to rush you. Eight-way stick, in it? And? Two buttons. No, another eight-way stick. It's twin stick. Damn it. What does the D power up an Arkanoid do? Doubles the length of your bat. No, it divides, splits the ball into three balls. Oh. And the last and final question, Sean. Yes. What kind of game is Taito's Tokyo? Shoot him up. What kind? Vertical. Yes. <laughs> and in that time, Sean, you did pathetically. You got three <laughs> points out of ten. Three? Yes. I might get six because I'm tired. You can. It's still rubbish, isn't it? You got six, didn't you, before? I think that's, I think six is the best so far in XR, quite hard. You're going to get one next time, young man. So, you should have got a lot more of them, you know. I know. Because Sonic the Hedgehog, we know it's on Megatech, which is the older hardware, and the slightly newer hardware, which I think was... The older hardware was Master System-based, 
and some Mega Drive, and Mega Play was Mega Drive hardware. So I'm not, I'm not at me like hundred percent mental capacity. You see, Sean, Sean, Which, don't kid yourself. That's not brilliant. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> You're never at hundred percent brain capacity, <laughs> are you? Come on. Is there actually a Sega System One board? Yeah. All right. All Sega right, System One. Yeah, I'll let the old uh, uh, the podcast correction robot tell us what games are on the System One. Oh, go on then. Choplifter, Flicky, Pitfall Two. Up and down and Wonder Boy being the best ones. Featured game review. Let's do a review of our game of the week, and this is going to be Jungle King, which I chose by Taito, nineteen eighty-two, also known as Jungle Hunt. We'll explain a little bit later on the name change. Uh, you control your Tarzan-like character on a horizontal screen with an eight-way stick and a single button, which is used for jumping and stabbing his knife. Stabby, stabby, stab, 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 stab. It uses a Z80 CPU and a good old AY8910 sound chip for its sounds. Right, this is how you play it. Level one out of four is Vines, exclamation mark. Vines. You start off in a tree as your character screams... Surely that was lifted straight from the 1931 Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan film. Sounds just like him, doesn't it? Sounds familiar, doesn't it, yeah. Uh, you jump from swinging vine to swinging vine until you dive into the water for the next level. On the second loop, you get monkeys that toss you off the vine, Sean. They do what? Toss you off. Right. If you fall off a vine, you will crash onto the jungle floor and lose a life. So that's oh, fairly simple. Just sometimes. jump across, wait for them, jump across the vines, don't fall off. That's simple. Mm. Level two, gators, exclamation mark. Swim along, avoid the ferocious gators or stab them right in face with, with your shank in it, bruv. Shank <laughs> them right with my blade. Avoid the air bubbles if you can. They're jellyfish. They're air bubbles because they grab you and push you upwards. The they they don't hurt it. you, they just stop you moving a bit. They stun you for a short time, allowing the gators to get you, so you've got to watch them. You also have an air gauge, so make sure you keep coming up to the top of the water for air. Otherwise, you will drown and lose another life. When you're at the top of the water, you can't use your knife. You're going to use it in the water, which is weird. Swim to the end of the level and leap out of the water like a jungle boss. You've put there, they stun you. Bubbles do not stun you. They could, like, mildly surprise you, but they're not going to stun you. Ooh, bubbles! <laughs> Look, they're bubble. not jellyfish, they're bubbles. Oh, it's ruined the game for me, that. Ruined. I thought they were... I thought they were jellyfish. I like jellyfish. Level three. Boulders, exclamation mark. Run up a slightly inclined hill, jumping and ducking over boulders, over and under boulders. If you get hit by boulders, say goodbye to another Tarzan. Jump on a giant meatball at the end of the level and do a shouty thing again. A couple of our listeners said meatballs, didn't they? I think they're meatballs. Level four. Badly depicted natives with woman in pot, very un-PC level. Exclamation mark. Mm. Oh dear. Your poor girlfriend is in the pot with some hungry cannonballs. Yes. Yes, Sean. Cannonballs. Not cannibals. Cannonballs. Right. Jump over the two spear-waving goons and jump to your last to free her. I think Tarzan also bungs the two dudes a few quiz for a Nando's instead. They're not getting Could their be. woman's soup, are they? No. Mm. No. Oh, one thing I noticed. When you do actually touch the girl and you, you reach her and get her off the thing, you get a really ugly drawn heart that comes up. 
It's not the best drawn heart, it's is it? It's horrible, isn't it? Mm. When you do the four levels and you get the girl at the end, you get a really ugly cutscene. Uh, it's a badly drawn boy and girl, and he's got really sinister eyebrows in it, hasn't he? I hadn't noticed, but I will have a look now. Oh, they're sinister. They have a wee smooch, and she said she loves you. Uh, <laughs> Tarzan and um, Gertrude sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. On the dip switches we're using, we're getting a bonus related to the time you have left on the timer, because we actually changed the dip switches for this game. Yeah. You are then on the second loop where the colour palettes of this game are even uglier. Oh, my Lord. I, I quite like it, actually. Ooh, I like the ja- changing colours. horrible. It, at least it's a bit of variety, isn't it? So after you do the first loop and different loops, on level one, you get some additions. You get some simian foes, i.e. monkeys. Mm. They knock you off the vines if they touch you. On loop three, you get some really fast vines moving about, which is difficult to get hold of. Level two, nothing really changes. I suppose the crocs get a little faster. Mm. Nothing else really changes on that level. Uh, level three, after level two, after loop two, you get some rocks come very close together and a few that you have to duck under. Because on the first two loops, you don't really have to jump over them. You just have to, sorry, you don't have to duck under them, you just got to jump over them. But later on, you have got to duck down. And level four is the same pretty easy level to do. But no, wait, Sean, wait. Yes. After third loop... A geezer in a tree lobs spears at you. What a rascal. You have to jump above them. Did you mention on the crocodile bit that you can't hit them when their mouth is fully open? Yeah, when their mouths are fully open, you can't stab them. You've got to stab them from underneath as well, because that's the way your your knife goes. Your shank, bruv. But if, if you stab them anywhere when their mouth is open, you're dead, aren't you? Yeah, I think when their fully yeah. mouths are open, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So it's easier to avoid them. So tips and secrets on this game, it's fairly obvious, really. Don't rush the vines level. Because when you're doing the swinging, you can't see where the next rope's going to be until it comes into the screen. So you're supposed to do it as it's coming towards you, otherwise you'll miss it. It's obvious, really. Mm. Just take your time. Uh, don't try and stab a croc while it's singing with its gob open. Oh, sorry, you did put it here. And you can't stab when you swing on the top of the sea. Uh, and just timings, really, for the third and final levels. Yeah, the meatball level, you can duck under the bigger rocks. Yes, but you only get 50 points for that. Whereas if you jump mm-hmm. over, you get 200. I've, I've never tried jumping over the bigger rocks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we always do. It's, it's difficult. Oh, I never, I never go under them. Or do I? I can't remember. Just run under them. Hmm. Oh, that's what it is, running under them. So graphics and sound in this game, they're quite poor, even for 1982, I reckon. Uh, nasty use of different colour palettes on the different loops. It does make the game look different, but horribly garish. What's with your Tarzan character dyeing his hair after every round? Yeah. One minute he's a blonde bombshell, then a dodgy goth, then a ginger ninja. <laughs> What's that about? He changes his hair every single level. It's the palettes, isn't it? Yeah. It's I like really... it. I like the changing colours of the levels. And I think the animation on the vines is very good for the time. I think, I don't, I'm not sure how they've done that. 1982, it was quite good because I remember Hunchback, which is a similar era. The, the ropes on the bell levels were awful, weren't they? They didn't do very well at all. They weren't very well animated, but these are quite good. And if you look at Circus Charlie, which I was looking at earlier on today, the 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 rope level on that is... The vines are very... They move very sort of... Jerkily. They're, they're smooth, but they're just... It's like the, it's like a, a piece of metal swinging, not a swayy rope. Do you know what I mean? A swayy rope? Yeah, rope sway. Yeah, but they're also swinging, so it's a swingy rope. That's it, sorry. Swingy. Uh, the tune is okay. 
Um, mm. The speech sample is good for the era, but it's got very low sample rates. So there's a lot of hiss in the background. Mm. Uh, the cabinet art, it did actually get its own cabinet. It got a few cabinets, actually. They call these the, the Taito Diet Cabs. It's a very generic cab for that era, but they're different colours on the side, and obviously you get the different marquee, control panel, bezels, etc. And this is a green one, green-sided, obviously like the jungle vines. Uh, and it's got a really quite a nice colourful control panel like, with like plants where you, your buttons are, button either side, red joystick in the middle, single-player panel. Uh, the Jungle King marquee is really good. You've got like a Tarzan figure on the right-hand side and the girl on and on the left-hand side and stuff. And the marquee all around it's nice as well. But there was mm. also a really weird bootleg cab I found. Uh, also, you've got Trimline version of this, which I'm really interested in. I'd like a Trimline of this game, just to go in a collection with my other Trimline. Yeah. Uh, and that's quite a nice... It's quite a plain-looking thing. The Trimlines are quite cut down, but it has a nice control panel with sort of grassy bits on it. And the, the cocktail version, which I've never seen in flesh, is a really nice-looking thing. So there's three different cabs there. And also there's a, a bootleg artwork I found on Rothy blog. Uh, link in the show notes to this. But this one's got full side eye. It looks like it's been converted from like a Frogger cab or mm. you know one of those early Sega cabs. And it's got proper drawn graphics. And it's got a Tarzan figure having to go at a, a, a lion with a knife. There are no lions in this game. It's also, it's also got a snack with its body through a skull. There are also no snacks on this game. So you don't have to. Yeah, you need to. Trivia on this game. Um, Jungle Hunt actually got a certificate of merit in the category of 1984 Best Adventure Video Game at the 5th Annual Archie Awards, even though it was done in 1982. Weird. Couldn't have been a lot going on 1983 and 84 for Best Adventure Game then. Uh, Taito was sued by the Edgar Rice Burroughs estate for copyright on their character looking too much like Tarzan, obviously. So Taito re-released the game as Jungle Hunt, with your character being a safari-suited, pith-helmeted explorer. They also removed the Tarzan sample at the start and changed the vines to ropes. I wouldn't have thought you could copyright vines. Mm. Mm. Taito also released this game as Pirate Pete too. It even got its own dedicated cab. And Pirate Pete is quite different. They changed the whole theme to a piratical one. You control a pirate swinging on the ship's rigging on the the first level, and then the second level has weird coloured sharks that look like manic tuna. The third level's got snacks in the above trees. Sorry, that's automatic now. Uh, And the fourth level has peg-lecked pirates trying to cook up your girlfriend. They're doing a really weird little dance, which is hilarious. It's Mm. also one of the first games to use parallax scrolling same year as Moon Patrol. Ooh. Uh, and for some weird reason, I had to look through the manual for this game, the arcade manual, and you can turn on and off the year display on the title page. Why? <laughs> oh my god, I can't understand. It's made in 1980. You must turn that off for me. How weird is that? It is a bit strange. Yeah, what? Uh, what? So, there was quite a few versions of this ported to uh, 8-bit computers and consoles at the time. I, mean, I, had, a qu- I had a quick look at Atari uh, Apple II, Atari 2600, Atari 5200, IBM PC, Atari 8-bit computers, ColecoVision, Commodore 64, VIC-20, and the TI-1904A. All versions are pretty good. I watched YouTube videos on this, and they're pretty good approximation of the game, because it's not a very difficult game to make on an old computer, Mm. except the PC-DOS version, which has got a really, really dark blue background on every single level. And it's really weird how they made such a dark-looking game. on. I think it's on an EGA screen. So you had 16 colours 
on an old PC EGA, but they've just made it look horrible, really dark and muddy and nasty. Is, and is EGA four colours? No, CGA is four. That's right. Sorry, had, yeah. Black. I think it was black, white, the really Bl- cyan, and the pink colour. Yeah, that was CGA on on a PC. I think That's EGA it. was sixteen colours. I think. And then VGA, you've got your... Yeah, it's 256, and then SVJ was the millions of colours. None of the Atari versions have background music, which is weird, because a lot of the... Even the VIC-20 had background music. There were no sequels to this game. They could have made sequels, couldn't they? There's lots of things you can do in a jungle. Mm. Keep away from various animals and stuff, and things like that. Scoring. In the show notes, there is a video of James White getting over 100,000 points on Jungle Hunt. But I think on that version of the Galloping Ghost where he's playing it, their bonus is set to times two of the time remaining, whereas we as a bonus set to times one of your time remaining. Right. So it's still a good game, though. Really good. The world record is 750,000 points by Steve Wagner, and that was done under Twin Galaxy rules, which states no bonus for completing the fourth screen. So that must have been a marathon game playing that and not getting any bonuses at the end. God. It's quite a low-scoring game, isn't it? You yeah. Only get, you only get yeah. like 100 to 300 for getting a shark. You get 100 points for swinging on a vine, 200 for jumping over the rocks, and 50 for going underneath them. Mm. And I think you just you don't get any points for jumping over the, the, the badly drawn natives when you get your go. You get, well, I presume if you don't get a bonus on that level, on the fourth level, you don't get any points for that level. Which is really poor, isn't it? That's strange. Yeah, we'll have to try it. Yeah, because we, we played prob- with the bonus. Prob- so let's do some scores. It's uh, quite a lot of people playing it, actually, since it's not a very brilliant game. I think we had 33, I think. Nice. I don't know what your score is, Vix. You'll have to stop me when uh, you put your score. Yeah, okay, I will. It's not brilliant. So at the very bottom is one of Ed Horse's people, Luke Horse, 900 points. John Horse, 2,300. They didn't like it, did they? By the sounds of it. I don't think so. Matthew Bridge, tw- 2,600. So terrible, but I take the point on the high score table. That's why they're doing it, the cheeky Royster Doisters. Cheeky gets. Cheeky Larry gets. Horse. Larry Horse, 2,700. So that's three horses that don't like it. Tronad, 2,900. I managed 2,900 before I gave up. It's not for me. Since when does touching a crocodile's tail kill you? He's got a point. No, no, no. Actually, no, he hasn't. A crocodile has got a very strong whip of the tail. So it could kill you. It could knock you out underwater and you drown. There you go, Tronads. Mm. Mr. Taxter, 7,200. Polished turd or unpolished turd? I'm thinking the second option. Ooh. Oof. Rob Carpenter, 7,600. Never mind jungle. This is more like a bungled effort. Meatball hurdles akin to Daly Thompson's delicatessen. Ooh, oh, nice. But- followed by multiple spear-administered colonics, courtesy of the local natives in an attempt to rescue rescue our last. Good fun, though, he's put. Bill Wellham, 10,500. Jungle Kid, Jungle King, good fun, but it needs power-ups, lasers, shields, or smart bombs. At least they saved the girl once, rewarded with a kiss. I agree with that, Bill. Tactical Giles, 12,002. After the beauty of Bubble Bubble, we get this ugly beast. This won't be going in my favourites. Andrew Driver, 12,870. I quite like it. Given its early year, it's quite impressive. 10p score. Can you see it polarising opinions, though? Stands back. Hmm. Ben Ben Benassic, 15,020. How does the Jungle King have time to put on a different coloured wig between each level? Exactly. Michael Vortman, 
15,190. Like the 80s magic mushroom colours, but too many bubbles. See, he's called them bubbles as well. Yeah, I thought I'm going to have to concede that they probably are mm. bubbles. Because they haven't got any wiggly bits at the bottom, have they? I thought they were just badly drawn jellyfish. Most of the things in this game are, but jellyfish have got wiggly bits. <laughs> Simon Anderson, 16.670. Fun in the beginning, but it became tedious after repeating the first run. Love the colours. Oh, why? And maybe he's playing on a black and white telly. Buller, 17,660. It's worth a credit to hear the Tarzan roar at the beginning, not to mention the just-for-men style transformations between levels. Bang average could have been great. Mm. Paul McCaskey, 18,460. He's got another music podcast out, by the way, kids. Oh, cool. This is what... This is one of those games where my initial impression of it was that it was pants. But the more I play it, the more I like the simplicity. Yep, Mark Bell, 18,750. Only a couple of tries for me, but I did enjoy the game. The vine swinging section at the start is a bit slow and tedious for my liking, however. I think mm. I fit in between Mark Bell and Neil 25. I can't remember my score, but I think it was 19,000 odd. Right. So we'll say I'm about 19,000. Okay. Neil, 20 to 5, you have beat me, I am Jimmy. It's not a great game. It may not even be a good game. But that day we discovered it still makes me smile. They might might have been playing it together. Nice. Chris Mooncrest, the bootleg, 22,500. How did the programmers get away with presenting this as an arcade game? I'm guessing they knocked this up in an afternoon and spent the rest of the week playing a decent game instead. Ooh, scathing comment. (laughs) Ben of Steel, 24,172 loops, and I'm done with this one. Put me down for I don't like it in a Sean Holly voice. Well, you did it. Uh, mm. Mark Neo MK, 24,990. Not much time to play this one. Charming little game that has some nice touches for 1982. Mm. So, yeah, some people like it, some don't. Mm. Brian Haribo, 25,290. I can't do any more. Why the promotional material drew me in I've got to say the game didn't quite live up to expectations yes I've put a link in the show notes for the flyer for this have a look it's a scantily clad young lady a jungle lady Mm. Uh, Phil Horse 25,630 Charlie Farr 25,760 first to go at Jungle Keith he's had one go and got 25,760 and it took me a good hour yeah, to get to get to that score. Uh, Anna Horse, twenty-seven thousand five hundred ninety. Do you want me Sol? to do the next one? Yeah, go on. Sol has got twenty-eight thousand one hundred fifty. Marginal improvement. Can't wait to it play its sequel. Jonathan King. <laughs> Jonathan King is rather disgraced. Yes, Jungle King. Jonathan King. Ian Cullen, 29270. Jungle. This is clearly a Scotsman in a kilt. He's Scottish, is Ian. Could be. Mm. Uh, Ed Horse, 34. This is Ed, King of the Horses. 30,400. Third loop on rocks is crazy. Rocks. He is Jimmy. 31,110. I really like this game. The animation is so bad, it's hilarious. Surely a classic example of why coders should not be allowed near a graphics pen. And don't get me started on the palette. Thumbs up from me, though. Yeah, it's so bad, it's good. Mm. Ben Granville, 33,540. Swing on some vines, have a quick swim, jump over some meatballs, rescue your girl. What's not to like? Third round of meatballs are brutal. Someone else didn't like the third round of meatballs. I like meatballs. Do you like meatballs? Oh, I love them. Ikea ones. Have, have you had them ones with cheese in the middle? Sean. 
Yeah. Arcade podcast, remember? Yeah. Mm. I was thinking of meatballs and sauce and that. Anyway. I'm anyway. For, I'm going to have meatballs. I'm as bad as you. I'm having my meatballs on a pizza later on. Now get on with the thing. Pete, oh, that sounds good. Shane Shooty Pants Hollister, that is me that in fourth is place. You. I've done all right. I've not. I've not been playing them so much, have I? But I got thirty-seven thousand nine hundred and twenty. Uh, I've just thought of something, and I'm going to tell you right now. I don't think I sent you a message. I meant to. I didn't have my phone on me at the time. I went in the garage the night to do something. I thought I'll have a quick go berserk. I haven't played it for a few months. I haven't played it for ages, and I got thirty-one thousand. You did, yeah. Slow bullet, slow bullet. Yeah, yeah. I, I beat my personal breast with one game. I didn't even, you know, I didn't mess, mess around and get into. It. I played one game, beat my record, and walked out of the garage with a smile on my face. That's what it's about, kids. Smiling and gaming. Mm. Sal Buglerisi, forty thousand nine hundred and ten. I had a lot of fun with Jungle King over the last couple of weeks. I really liked the four games in one design, which kept me coming back for more, even though the gameplay wasn't exactly perfect. Sal shines at less than average games. <laughs> We're going to call him Sal Less Than Average Buglerissi. <laughs> ben Granville in second place. Another good performance from Ben. Uh, 41. Stop. There's two Ben Granvilles on here. Was this a later score? Oh. Oh. What idiot is doing the scores, Sean? Hang on. Let me just do a Twitter search. Can you put some like lift music on while I search? Someone sent me a message. Hang on, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Well, hide. Yes, Ben Granville, forty thousand seven hundred and forty. That's a different score from forty-one thousand nine hundred and thirty. My God, what have I done? Hang on. Anyway, never mind. It'll go in the show notes of the podcast. The correct one, Sean. What have so, I done? Top take? of the list is Steve Tyke. You got sixty thousand one hundred and forty. I recorded a last minute forty three thousand game and a save state crocs and rocks run to sl- to show a route that works. Apart from one evil, unpredictable croc, still one of my all time favourites. Thumbs up. He really likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He- Actually, that is correct from Ben. Forty-one nine thirty. So he's split himself into two on the scoreboard there. Mm. So, what do you reckon, Sean? I reckon to make the game a little bit better, if you go back to it or make a a Jungle King two, other platforms, other animals to avoid or collect on the vines. Maybe you could go yes. up and down. If you could move up and down on the vines, and it affected your swing. So say you're at the bottom of the rope and you swing further because of the inertia and the swing of the rope. That'd be more challenging, I think. And maybe you could collect coconuts or avoid different animals or whatever. Uh, different aquatic beasts to avoid or stab. Maybe, Sean, on the second level, they could add yep. some jellyfish. I, I, I approve. I approve. Uh, animals and boulders to avoid on the third level. Because mm-hmm. yep. the boulders sort of bounce, don't they? But they could have some really fast rolling ones, maybe. I don't know. They're, they're very erratic. There's, there's a, a, what's the pie factory thing? Physics. Yeah. What, what do they call it? Can we snip that as physics. well? physics. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't yeah. seem to roll properly. But I like when, when the, the boulders fall on the floor, it makes the screen rumble a little bit. I quite like that little effect. I've always liked that in games. Mm. Uh, scrolling last level, similar to Hunchback, maybe. And I think on the Atari 2600 version, I did look at it, 
the last level isn't a single screen where you jump over two natives. You've got to do a, a little level of ju jumping over a few things, and you get like two levels to do it. So if your last level was a little bit scrolling, rather like Hunchback, but the opposite way round, the opposite way round, that might be a bit more interesting because it's very simple. You jump over the one, you wait for him to come across, jump for one guy, and jump over the last one and land on the girl. That's it, done. It's mm. really easy. It's pathetic. It's just it shouldn't even be there. It's a boring level. It's just silly. Yeah, it doesn't get a challenge until you get the guy in the tree throwing the spears, really, does it? Yeah, it seems weird that the fourth and final level before you finish a loop is the easiest level to do. It just doesn't work mm. out, does it? Yeah. What do you reckon? I reckon tweak the levels so they play smoother. The meatball level in particular, that can be very erratic. Mm. Move up and down on the vines, like you said. Yeah. Overall, reprogram the whole thing, making it less glitchy. But I started off... Not liking it at all. But the more I played it, I do quite like it, you know. And I was speaking to some people at NERG about this, I think yesterday and this morning, saying, actually, it's almost good. It's almost a good game. Yeah. And I, I have been going back to play it, you know, a little bit, instead of just switching it off after an hour. Do you know what? This was a game, I think I've told you before on the podcast, this was a game I used to play in the prison officer's bar in, in Port on Portland, where I live. My dad worked as a prison officer. I used to go up to the bar because we were part of the, you know, the, the club membership or whatever. I used to go up there and play it on. And I got a feeling, you know, it was a Taito trim line. Because I remember it being a small machine. It wasn't a big one like I've just seen. And it wasn't the green-sided thing. I think it must have been a trim line. Right. So that tells me there's a trim line in the UK. And I won it. <laughs> I would, I, I, it's not my favourite game. But because it came on a trim line... And it's probably quite a hard machine to find. I'd like to put that next to my Phoenix and eventually a Space Invaders trim line. Because I like the shape of those cabaret machines, as you know. And I played it there and loved it as a kid. And I think I had a friend of mine had it on an Atari 8-bit cartridge. It was one of the like mm. six cartridges he had. I never had any cartridges for my machine. I had tapes. But it was a, a good version on the Atari 8-bit. But I mean, all the versions are pretty good. It's not a difficult game to reproduce, even on an 8-bit computer with like you know, 4 or 16K or something pathetically small. But yeah, you're right. It's an old game and it shows. It really shows. But ambitious yeah. to have four different levels in a game that old. Yeah, the the crocodile bit can be annoying because they can sometimes... It's random opening the mouths, I think. Yeah. I think the best bet really is to avoid them unless you know you can stab them right in the face. Mm, sometimes you can't later on, I don't think. No, just avoid them. It's easier. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, and the animation is pretty bad. <laughs> when he, when he runs, his his arms don't work properly. They're like little twigs. Yeah, twiggy I like arms. The, I like the vines. Like I said, though, they're good. Hmm. Uh, did you have a chance to play Pirate Pete? No, I haven't. Well, Pirate Pete, that bit is a lot easier because when you're playing that, they've redrawn all the graphics. So obviously, you're a pirate guy, and. You're on a ship, and it's the ship's rigging that's moving around, swinging around. So you've got ships in the background. But on the level, it seems like the the vines or the or the ropes are slightly closer together. So when you get on a, on a rope and the screen scrolls into position, you can see the other, other rope really easily. So right. it's not a case of waiting for it to come in the screen. You can see it at all times. It makes it a lot, lot easier. But that, that game, just it's just a really bad remake of it. It's the same game mm. with different graphics. It's just nasty looking thing can't believe it got mm -hmm. its own cabinet why did they remake it maybe like the same year or a year later 
don't know. It's weird. Perhaps Maybe pirates were the in thing in 1982. I don't know. Mm. How many Taito trim lines do you know of then? Was there a lot of them? At least 10. Really? Yeah, oh, wow. stuff like Pulsar came out on it. Crazy Climber. Uh, oh, what else? Phoenix is, is Europe only. I don't think they got in America. I've never seen an American one, and Americans don't know of it. Space Invaders. And there's a bunch of them, actually. I must go through them and see which ones they've got. There's some old, quite obscure games. What's that game that Charlie Farr really likes? You've got up and down and, and right, but you haven't got left. It's like a game with yeah. rocks. He's world record holder, isn't it? What's it called? Oh, no. Is man. it Quasar or something? Moonshuttle. Moonshuttle's on there. Mm. And there's some bizarre games on it, some really odd ones. But yeah, they're, they're really nice machines. I like them. And I wish I wish they'd brought other Taito games. I wish they had an Arkanoid on. That'd be that'd work really well. I was going to do an Arkanoid on a trimline once. I actually made a trimline from scratch, but I never finished it. I, I sold it to someone in the end. But yeah, the trimlines are nice, and I think it would be nice with that on. I want it. <laughs> I want it. Next show's game. It is your pick for next show's game. What would you like to play, old son? Oh, it's it's a listener pick, isn't it? Oh, is it a listener one? Is oh, it? I know, uh, sorry, yes, it is. Alex Chucky Egg, and I told him the other day what the next game was. He said, oh, I, I wrote in about that, so it's Alex's pick. Alex, yeah. listener, former presenter, pick. What is it? It is Space Firebird. Oh, what a surprise. It's a Nintendo game, Alex. <laughs> yes, and quite a good one, I reckon. Uh, developer yeah. is obviously Nintendo. The ROM we're using is Rev 4 minus U, and it is named Space FB. S P A C E F B. Uh, three lives, extra life on 5,000, and there's no difficulty level. It's just a difficult game anyway. Right, I'm going to give this a go. This, is, this looks like my cup of tea, this one, Vic. Shooting birds right in face. Shooting them in middle of gut. Yes. So, thank you, Sean, for talking to me. Thank you, everyone, for listening and downloading. Um, if you fancy it, I've never asked this before. Give us a review on iTunes. Yeah. Just so other people can find out where we are and listen to us as well. That's all we ask, if you fancy doing it. Excellent. And I will talk to you in two weeks' time, and hopefully listeners will listen to us in two weeks' time. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, kids. I am going to try and get that Drunk Gary playable on the internet somewhere. I think I can do it. Oh, we could probably link it on the show notes. Yeah, I don't think I'll do it for a while, but I'm going to try anyway. Nice one. Cheers. All right, Sean, see you later. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you. For game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 